Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. Stack down in the pit lane. Now that was interesting. That was the crowd strike car here that came in and instead of trying to go around the front of the GT car, just waited for a second or two and that made the pit stops easier and better for both parties. It did, but it cost them about seven seconds, did the crowd strike car, which is ironic because there's an award for crowd strike best pit stops for the fastest pit stops for crews over the course of the endurance races and they probably won't get it now because that uh, pit stop will throw off the average but it did make for a clean exit for the windward mercedes and a clean entrance for the crowd strike orica good news that the windward mercedes was able to get back out underway and we have had another mercedes back out onto the pit lane the cawthor car has re-emerged from behind the wall number 15 now illuminated on the side of the car when we last saw it it had a single number on the side the number one Unfortunately, it's just got a pit lane speeding violation, so <laughs> uh, just a little bit of rub the pit. But overall, the brilliant news that they've got back going again. The team have got so much heart, caught off motorsport. We had Mike Skeen, uh, one of the drivers in that car, in the booth uh, uh, just uh, before midnight uh, this um, yesterday uh, as well. So the, the Michelin Endurance Cup points will go in GTP to Marshank Racing, the winner there. Uh, the TDS Racing number 35 uh, managed to keep managed to just uh, keep out in time to get those points in the lead of LMP2. It'll be Joao Barbosa's number 33, Sean Creech Motorsport car. Uh, now Daniel Morad must have just come into pit lane. I think he just got those points just in time. And in GTD Pro, it's the number 79 WeatherTech Mercedes that get those six hours to go. Um, Michelin Endurance Cup points. Uh, there's a little wrinkle. There's uh, a little wrinkle to that share in terms of how the points are are awarded at the various marks six, twelve, and eighteen. It is the end of the lap that the leader is on after the time has elapsed, but you have to finish it on track in order to get the points. So we're going to have to wait until the unofficial points chart comes out to find out who was where as the WeatherTech Mercedes lifted very early going into start finish. Uh, they are due into the pits. I hope that Joel Gunion didn't miss the call to come in and perhaps ran out of fuel. The crew is looking a little bit worried. Okay. So I heard some shouting in the background there. That's uh, that sometimes not good. So we'll keep an eye on the number 79. Uh, WeatherTech Mercedes then Jill Goodnon he uh, just he's still in sector one by my by my timing uh, software at this stage uh, that's basically from the start finish line to just coming out of the international horseshoe uh, is Jill Goodnon he's gone through uh, the timing beam in uh, in sector one with a reasonably competitive time so hopefully there's enough fuel in the tank of that number 79 WeatherTech Mercedes, we've had a really good run. They've had great pace all week long. Uh, that put the lineup uh, all uh, well, th- three Mercedes AMG factory drivers: Maro Engel, Daniel Yonkadella, Gilles Gunion, and then WeatherTech Racing's uh, Cooper McNeil in there as well. Winner of many top endurance races and winner of the Sebring 12-hour and Petit Le Mans in the GTLM class. The only silver driver to do so. Uh, Maurice. At Ibsa Radio, talking about the top speeds of the cars at Le Mans. I'm sure they'll balance them so that GTP and LMH will hit about 330 to 335 tops. More intrigued by the NASCAR in theory, it could be even faster. Good driver lineup, Jensen Button, along with Jimmy Johnson and Mike Rockenfeller for that one. Um, Maurice, the, the GTPs are doing that speed here. Yeah. Uh, 335 is 208. Yeah. And 330 a bit less than that. They're pretty much doing that here on on straights that are far shorter, I would say, than the flat-out runs. Uh, the longest... The top speed now at Le Mans and has been for some years it has been the run down from Mulsanne Corner down to um, Indianapolis Arnage. That little no-name right-hander before you get to Indianapolis is... Depending on the cars... It used to be pretty much almost flat. You were breaking just as you were going through there in the the LMP1 uh, 
uh, days when they had downforce to, to give up, particularly the old 908s uh, that moved about as much air as a truck. I was <laughs> talking about that, wasn't I, the other day? 908 Peugeot, that is, not 908 Porsche. Uh, yes, 908 Peugeot, <laughs> yes. DAB, yes, yeah. that, they move a bit of air. If, if the um, GTPs are held down to that sort of, of pace then that's going to be very interesting for that it, top speed. It, it could be that we see the two cars actually make their lap time in different ways, and I think that could be really exciting. Look back to the, the American Le Mans series 2007-2008. We had very lightweight but relatively underpowered LMP2 cars and heavier but super fast LMP1 cars racing absolutely tooth and nail. Real strategy going on. We could see that, that actually the hypercar and the GTP car make their lap time in different ways. The GTP's maybe more of a dragster down the straight line. Let's see. I can't wait to see. Morris also said, wish we could see some more Glickenhaus cars there. Somebody needs to buy them. Yeah, finally. They, the have, one, they have got a customer yeah. this year. Jim Glickenhaus has been quite bullish about that. They'll put in for an invitation and see if they get one for the customer. They are saying that they will run in the WEC this year, but they won't be running the full season because they're saying they won't make Sebring uh, with that car so still to see that car do a full season um, we've got Ruman Duma back on board which yeah, is that's always a, I mean, that's, it's, that's a guy you need in your car for uh, any form of Le Mans prototype so much experience winner of the race twice um, first won it with Audi back in 2010 almost 2pm in Denmark Jens Jensen confirming DP's 10.30 Glickenhaus went 10.30 both Toyota and Peugeot ran higher minimum weight last year but built to the 10.30 regs as is the new Ferrari 499 uh, that's what I thought I thought it was 10.30 now just a, a point on LMP3 and it, it notes to the, 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 the green light as well that's to signify the AM driver Joao Barbosa is definitely not an AM driver and that's just a fault but I think one of the reasons John why the gap has grown quite significantly over the last hour or two is because Joao Barbosa is very much the, the leading driver in the Jean Grich car Anthony Mantea uh, is the bronze driver in the, the car Wayne Boyd yes. the gold so uh, AWA may be keeping Wayne Boyd in reserve uh, for the charge to the flag so um, that Jaupa Bors has definitely proven why he is the leader in that car but uh, um, don't don't write off uh, the, the number 17 AWA team yet in their Duquesne and it's quite cool we've got a Ligier versus a Duquesne so uh, that's nice to see a bit of variety fighting at the front there too showing that both cars can, can compete well as we've got Le Mans chicane here as part of Convergence we're talking a bit of Le Mans at the moment for the 100th uh, anniversary of the first race Jake Parrott when do the Le Mans invitations get announced uh, normally um, around about next week because it normally happens when I'm in Bathurst um, so stand by for that Joe Bramble reminds us you've got to bear in mind that last year at WEC there was a grandfathered LMP1 that caused a bit of havoc with the hypercar BOP and both GTP and LMH could hit 350 Ks uh, now that would make that would make life That's very very interesting indeed uh, 350 kph is 217 yeah it's about the same as a MotoGP bike at Mugello uh, over the crest with the wheel in, the front wheel in the air so not even the two contact patches just no, one just smaller about, than the size of a credit about, card yeah just about yeah yeah, but that's not mad at all, is it? See, even us as motorcyclists raise our eyebrows at that and just go, no, I could ride a bike for a million years and I still wouldn't be able to do that. No, no, not even in a straight line. I think if it was just check, I would roll off at some point. I would, my, my nerve would, would, would go. Um, number 66, Gradient Acura, now Mark Miller on board that JG Wentworth machine, running really strong and consistent. They are seventh in class at the moment. Um, a new full a new season look, entry. Yes, full season entry and a new look gradient racing uh, driver lineup as well. Some returning drivers, of course, with Mario Farnbacher being one, but Mark Miller, Catherine Legg, Sheena Monk. Sheena, I think, has done a top job um, for her first proper 24 hour race with prototypes coming around. Cleared very her good. drive time very early yes. in the race, so doesn't have to drive 
uh, from now till the end of the race. May still want to. Our lap times were exceptionally consistent. Good. Really good. The JG Wentworth livery sitting very well on the NSX, which also always has such a happy, smiley face when it's coming towards you. Rather light, Lightning McQueen-esque. Oh, I've never noticed front. that before. Yes, it does. not? No, I've never noticed that before, oh. but I'll never not unse- I can't unsee Ma- that now. Maybe we yeah. need to get Ka-chow. Andy to do a JG Wentworth Lightning McQueen Green. livery. Lightning oh. McGreen. Light Ma- oh, see, what see, what I, see what I did there? Yes. Um, yeah. And... Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it, Andy's done that really well and made the green and white work so well on that car. Uh, really understands the 3D nature of racing cars. Often you'll see a livery that looks great on paper, and I am literally mean on paper, but you transfer it to the curves and the streaks and the folded bits of a car, and it comes out looking very different. Andy... Uh, a designer by trade, uh, now graphic and livery artist, and uh, he understands that. Bit of weaving there by the 44 Andy Lally, the flex box uh, Aston, not long out of the pit, still trying to get heat into the tyres, and that car sitting in a very nice fourth place at the moment. We're getting news officially now of another retirement and uh, I think we were expecting this one from what we heard earlier on but it's now being lodged with the officials and the Aero Motorsport number 18, Dwight Merriman Ryan DL Christian Rasmussen and Ollie Jarvis it'll be no second win here for Ollie no back to back win for Ollie Jarvis here after he uh, won the watch and the championship uh, the final DPI championship here. It'll be forever DPI champion. Yeah. Shea Adam with more cars in the pit lane. Marco Vittman's just bought the BMW 24 in, and Marco Sorensen has just bought the 27 Aston Martin in from Heart of Racing. And that's the sound of Marco S leaving Sorensen. Uh, Vittman is still sitting in the pit box, has not yet been cleared to leave. But for Marco Sorensen in the heart of racing, Aston Martin, it was standard service fuel and new sticker, double stickers, actually. They put their own stickers and the Michelin stickers still left on those tires, so extra sticky. Um, but a lot of rubber pieces pulled out of the bottom of the grill of that car, so clearly clogging it up uh, quite substantially as also into the pit lane now second in GTV Pro. We've got the Lexus of Vassar Sullivan, the number 14. It is Mike Conway out. Ben Barnicket getting aboard there. Fuel and four new Michelin tires as well. I'll see if I can get a word with Mike Conway. Uh, we haven't spoken to Mike, I think, during the race. We spoke to him uh, uh, during practice and qualifying and during the roll. But uh, good to here. I saw Mark Blundell at uh, oh, just yeah. going into breakfast yesterday. MB so Associates. Yes, yes. And uh, one of his drivers, uh, Andrew Watson, who was in sports cars, is actually signed to go to the British Touring Car Championship. So a change of direction there for him. Mark, affectionately known as Billy. I've never really understood that one. Of course, Billy had a Blundell. Raced over here for yeah, IndyCars. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah IndyCars. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Had a good career. Smashing, smashing fella. His MB Associates looks after a, a number of drivers and has done for some time now. They were celebrating a big anniversary, might have been 20 years actually, uh, either last week or, or the week before. And uh, I've done a few bits and pieces with Mark and so I sat down and done interviews and Q&As with him. And you forget just how much he did as a driver. And uh, Relatively quietly spoken, but can tell a good story. I'll tell you that. Well, he's part of the, uh, the they're known as the Rat Pack, who meet for a Christmas lunch every year, yes. led by Perry McCarthy. The stories that the, and anecdotes that must fly around that table, very few fit for broadcast, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> I can't imagine he'd ever want to do a podcast from the, the Rat Pack dinner. Rat Pack Christmas I, lunch. I think, it, I think it might get um, fairly untidy fairly quickly. His Jason old. Plato's part of it as well. <laughs> he, he's clearly the master of disaster in that group. Oh, that dear. <laughs> How's he managed to elbow his way in? Damon Hill's part of it too, I Yeah, think, that's right. Well. Yeah, yeah. You always see the the, uh, the the picture going up around uh, around Christmas time. Yeah, I saw that. You're right. I remember that. 
uh, at IMSA Radio if you'd like to get in touch with us. We're coming up to a clock hour here, as we call it. Sun behind the clouds for the moment, but temperatures held steady. Still 19 on the track, 20 in the air. Stop now or in the next two minutes, and you can still have the low temperature tyres after 8 o'clock. Uh, you have to go back onto the SHT Michelin Slick HT. High temperature. Bit of a spin at the West Horseshoe for the number 13 AWA Orlando Corp LMP3 car. Meanwhile, our night shift night owls, JP and Bruce, uh, getting ready. Can't believe they had Mackie Day's breakfast uh, delivered. Ooh. Problem. Now, this racing. is significant. 51. This is the Austin fifth Sindrick. place car of Austin Sindrick, reigning Daytona 500 champion. Went straight on at turn one. So has he got an issue with the car? Left front down, I think, on that car. It's certainly sitting low. He's keeping the tyre on the rim. He's done very, very well indeed in the Rick Ware racing car. This is the white, blue and green Biohaven machine. So this lap won't count because he took the shortcut, but that meant that he didn't have to tour around the infield. So he shortcut straight to turn six from turn one. Whether that was cause or effect, a lot up and a tyre going down, or whether he locked it up, flat spot of the tyre, and that's caused it to go down. I've had that happen before. Great young man, Austin, and he still is a young man you've got time and you're here over the weekend get yourself to the museum on Monday, it will be open and you can see the winning car from the Daytona 500, that'll all get reset in a few weeks time, in speed weeks of course, but for the moment he is the reigning Daytona 500 champion, Shea Adam is watching that car come in, left front we think Shea, yep just the left front and it's barely down, Austin did a great job to keep the tyre on the rim in one piece, still with air in it so did not come back too quickly, as is always the problem with bringing a car in that has a flat tire. You're going too fast, even though you feel like you're going too slow. They have the car up on the air jacks. They're making sure there's no other damage. The Cawthorpe Mercedes came into its box to get service, thinking that a caution would come out and was blocked upon exit by that number 51. So for Rickware Racing, still waiting for the new tire to come over the wall. There goes Faf. But uh, a slew of pit stops as we are expecting a caution, maybe? Or at least there's a lot of uh, cautiously optimistic teams on the lane. See what I did there? It's the 61st edition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Che Adam chatting to us about the latest pit stop then that was unexpected from the LMP2 car there. But we creep forward into firm daylight now and exactly 8 o'clock in the morning in the eastern seaboard for the 61st edition around the Daytona International Speedway for the Rolex. And 5 hours and 40 minutes still to go. So it's Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones now in the RS2 IMSA Radio booth for the next three hours. We did very much enjoy our breakfast from an uh, unnamed brand. I'm surprised Heindy dropped that on air, but we can mention Sacred Coffee, which is still powering us for the next uh, 180 minutes. And even at that point, there'll still be two hours and 40 minutes to go to the flag. It's Scotty Dixon who leads after 607 laps over Colin Brown, so the Cadillac 01 from Cadillac Racing thundering its way now out of the second horseshoe on the infield and leading by just over half a minute, Bruce, from Colin Brown. Yeah, the start of the growth of this advantage for the 01 car came about five hours ago. Sebastian Bourdais did a very, very good couple of stints. It went from a short distance ahead of the sister car, the 02 car, uh, and has continued to stretch. Now 36, nearly 37 seconds ahead of Colin Brown in the 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura that has been quick 
and fuel efficient. But what happened under cover of darkness? The Cadillacs came into their own, and certainly Scott Dixon in the lead. Earl Bamber in third place, looking very strong indeed. Three cars stood on the lead lap. One lap back to Ricky Taylor in the number 10 Cadillac, and that is worthy of accolades. They had their, sorry, um, Acura. Uh, from uh, Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti Autosport. Great new combination. They had their setbacks, but uh, chipping away. And they were saying, we're ploughing our own furrow. And certainly a uh, great stint from uh, Philippe Albuquerque and now Ricky Taylor doing what we expect to make his father smile. Fastest driver out on the circuit at the moment. Last lap, under 1 minute 37. That is an impressive time around the circuit. So do not rule them out. Johnny said, how much is left? Just over five and a half hours. So the number 10 could yet get up onto the podium. Drivers for the 32 Kortov car. Now, that's already gone straight on earlier in the race. That was down at turn six, though, wasn't it? Or out of the, the second of the horseshoes and trying to turn left onto the uh, main banking. This time, it looked like the power had cut completely because there were no headlights on Maxi Gertz's team Kortov Motorsport Mercedes as it reached turn one, coming off the tri-oval and having to go straight on there. So an extended first sector for Maxi, who looped the car deliberately and then rejoined just uh, prior to turn one. You can have a big, big incident down there. Meantime, the seven car of Matty Campbell has gone behind the wall, it looks like, or is it re-emerging from the garage? It's on the dolly jacks and being wheeled backwards by Penske Motorsport. This is one of a couple of... Porsche 963s debuting this weekend. Six ahead of seven on our timing screen. But the seven car, I reckon, uh, Bruce, that's going back towards the uh, garage. Nick Damon may know a little bit more about this or indeed something else. But good morning to you, Nick. Uh, good morning, Johnny. I know absolutely nothing at the moment because <laughs> I have just uh, done a battery change and takeover. However, what I do know is it's lovely to hear the dulcet tones of my good buddies from London. Uh, it makes my day. The only thing I will say is the 51, uh, the 51 car is going down the P2 machine. That had a longer stop than was expected. Um, they were working very heavily uh, a front brake and disc change uh, on that uh, P2 of Rick Ware Racing. So they got the detrituses have been kicked away right now on the uh, on the floor, including a couple of, uh, of brake pads. It's just, it's just they don't pick up because those things are quite warm. Yeah, very good mention there, Nick, of course. I have, very warm I have been to London before, but I don't know why he's talking about London quite at the moment. I I'm, moved away I'm from the West Midlands. I'm not from London either anymore, but anyhow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyway, we're enjoying things at Daytona International Speedway, as Nick is too. And round the second of the U-Bends on the infield, the 33 LMP3 car for Nolan Seagal. That's the car with the fastest LMP3 lap to date. And Nolan set it a fair long time ago now, 171 laps. Uh, but we're on 574 currently for the baby prototypes. The top three are still glued together on the timing screen, at least. There are laps between them, in truth, with Thomas Merrill a couple of laps back. But it's the Sean Creech Motorsport car that leads the way and uh, it's been an, an enticing battle virtually all race long between that top two in the LMP3s between Sean Creech and AWA swinging backwards and forwards throughout. No it really really has. Now my eyes have been drawn since just before we came back on air and since then the lack of headlights on the number 32 team called off motorsports uh, Mercedes we saw it wheeled into the paddock pushed back out and again it's still running around tumbling down the order down into 42nd position overall with Quick Mick and Mikhail Grenier at the wheel but I, I, I fear there are some unresolved problems for that one Johnny, 13 and a quarter hours of night here and you always will get through the night and then let's see how you can run to the finish but I do sort of feel that the team Kortov car has problems it's going to have to nurse through to the finish let's hope it's uh, something they can manage but right now it's not running quite in the way the team would have wanted so unfortunate because they went very well in the early stages yeah, there are many teams that can give you that story, actually. The start of the first eight hours generally went to plan, even for the GTPs. But then uh, there have been, well, various moments, as so often is the case in this race, for it to derail the challenge towards the chequered flag. BMWs, we started with two of them. We still have two of them running, but uh, 
very different ends of the timing screen. Conor Di Filippi, for example, 52nd overall. He's still behind one of the retired cars in the form of the 18 LMP2 machine that last had Christian Rasmussen at the wheel, but that has been an official retirement since. And uh, the... Rasmussen car for the Orica 07, retiring after 510 laps. So 100 laps ago, when you compare them that to the leaders, Cadillac Racing, first and third, with sandwiched in between them, Michael Shank racing with Kerb Agajanian, the Acura for Colin Brown. So it's Dixie, Scott Dixon at 0-1, leading the Acura 60 and the Earl Bamber-driven 0-2. Then the Wayne Taylor Racing, Andretti, uh, entered Acura of Ricky Taylor with the first of the Porsche Penske Motorsport 963s. Dane Cameron, car number six, running in fifth position. It's funny, when you step away from the commentary position for a couple of hours, last time we were here it was full darkness with uh, daylight promised about an hour and a quarter after we came off air, and now it just looks like a completely different circuit. There was that little breakthrough of sunshine a short while ago just after sunup but it's now looking quite grey but at least we can pick out the colours of the cars and for rooftop Ray and the other camera folk around the circuit it's a little bit easier when you can spot a yellow car not just a set of headlights coming your way a set of headlights among the 50 odd cars still circulating we started with 61 we've lost 9 so there we are do the maths that's quite easy 52 cars still out and about on the circuit one car always drawing the eye been going so well is the number 27, Aston Martin, Marco Sorensen, just uh, having a little tussle uh, with Alexis into the Le Mans chicane. They go and out, but uh, one of the heart of racing, Aston Martins, had the setback. That was number 23. That was the one running in GTD Pro. But uh, for, for Marco Sorensen, second overall in GTD. Two GTD cars ahead of the top three from GTD Pro. So it's Daniel Morad. Brought in Johnny at the last moment after Lucas Auer suffered injury here at the circuit. And the Canadian, uh, well, A, he's delighted to be uh, competing in the 24 hours. Hadn't expected to be. B, he's delighted to be leading GTD at this stage mm. with, what, uh, five and a half hours still to run. Yeah, not a nice incident to witness that for Lukey Auer earlier in the weekend when he was coming out of turn one, just ran the car out onto the grass and tried to keep his foot in. But the car then switched from right to left and basically hit the concrete uh, pit wall at 90 degrees to the direction of travel and there's only one winner there when you hit bare concrete uh, the nose of the Mercedes utterly destroyed and clearly Luki Auer in some state of discomfort in the car we wish him well in his recovery but uh, judged by the doctors the medics to be uh, not wise to take part in the event sadly but he would have been rapid in that car no doubt about it they've got some great substitutes though raring to go and Daniel Morad has proved that uh, leading the class currently by a second over Marco Sorensen. And much has been made about the GTD Pro class. Well, we've actually got two, two GTD cars front and centre right now with the best of the pros in third when you combine both GT classes. Very peculiar angles there for an LMP3 car to be heading up onto the banking was that a half spin or a recovery, perhaps, for one of the smaller cars? Up onto the high side, the 60 car now going to through speedway turn two. Oh, dramas just before we head to Nick Damon speaking to Mike Conway because is that the race leader in, or second place rather, in GTD? Marco Sorensen stopped on the back straight in car 27. He has got it refired and restarted. It might have been an electrical issue. I wonder whether Sorensen will come in at the end of this lap though to work out what's going on. We'll stay in GT though. Mike Conway chatting to me. Mike, uh, Lexus, you've got it up to third place. Seems like it probably needs another yellow flag to get completely into contention. Yeah, we need need some help with some yellows. The gap is quite big to second place, so we need to really bunch back up if we can. It's still five and a half hours to go, so um, yeah, let's hope we get get some help. Um, the car's running well in terms of reliability. We're just lacking a little bit of pace, but um, the, the team have been executing well all weekend, so um, yeah, we just need to keep it up. So are you pushing 100%? Or are you still kind of or worrying that you're still just waiting to get through this over the, uh, the last couple of hours? Yeah, you've got to keep the car in one piece, especially for when uh, Jack and Ben get in and really 
start attacking. But yeah, obviously you're still pushing. You've got to keep position. And uh, but yeah, the time will come when they really rag it and um, see some some sideways action. There's been um, quite well, there's been less contact than I expected. I mean, has everyone been really behaved themselves out there? Yes, I've had some close calls with uh, prototypes just cutting back across you. So just trying to read that has been has been tough. But um, yeah, luckily, you know, no touches or anything like that. So, um, but the only thing is, yeah, you realise how much time you can lose when you get overtaken by a prototype. So learning to block when you need to to avoid losing time. So. Yeah, a lot to learn, actually. Will you be understanding the uh, the GT3 and GT drivers more when you're back in the prototype, then? Yeah, I, I had full respect anyway, but yeah, now now I fully see it. So, um, yeah, I'll be a bit more careful next time. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's an interesting venture for Mike, uh, st- staying basically within the brand family, racing a Lexus, but uh, a weekend off from Toyota. He'll be back in the World Endurance Championship for 2023. So we'll be very much part of the Sebring weekend with the Friday race there, the Sebring 1,000 miles, day before the 12-hour, which has significantly more history. But it's great to have, uh, in the year of convergence, a combined meeting for both WEC and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. We'll have full coverage of both races across the Radio Show Limited network of channels, by the way. I'm still concerned as to what exactly happened there to, for Marco Sorensen because he, he ended up losing a couple of places to the two GTD Pro cars that I was talking about. Three Corvette benefited from that, driven by Jordan Taylor now, and the Dan- Daniel Junkadea Mercedes, number 79 for WeatherTech. So Sorensen's heart of racing, Aston Martin, slips back to fourth. I'm actually surprised he didn't lose more places. Uh, likewise, Johnny, and uh, just before we saw that, you commented on a sideways moment going onto the banking for Colin Brown in the uh, number 60, Maya Shank Racing Acura, and I wonder if he was avoiding the Aston Martin that might have had a problem going out of turn six up onto the banking and had to adjust his line. Then we saw, of course, the Aston Martin hardly going, eventually fired up and uh, carried on on its way, but uh, I'd just like to apologise. The merest sniff of us entering the commentary booth and suddenly there's uh, something (laughs) happening all over again. And uh, in this case, I just had had just had great deal of praise for the number 23 uh, crew and the 27 crew for Heart of Racing team and something goes untowards the 27. But Nick is down working like mad in the pit lane. Who have you got, Nick? Uh, Well, no one, but I have a car, which is the number seven... uh, Porsche, which is um, back in the uh, behind the wall in the garages. Nothing. Oh well, we'll be seeing someone with lots of electrical items pinging out or computers. But this is an old-fashioned problem um, because there's all sorts of water on the ground where water shouldn't be on the ground. So they've got either they've either overheated or they've got a, a hole or a pipe off in the actual um, cooling system. So I mean, you, you can tell this is they, they know what they're doing because they've left the driver on board. So <laughs> they are now just trying to fix this leak, um, and it is um, very very damp round here. But uh, yeah, so it's not. Uh, it's nice to have an old-fashioned problem with these new cars, isn't it? It is, and the last thing you want, of course, is a driver interfering. What do they know? True enough. Uh, it's been 15 minutes, though, now for Michael Christensen mm. in that seven car, already heavily delayed. Remember, it was the seven that was uh, far worse off than the sister number six that uh, had a s- number of spells leading the race for Porsche Met Penske Motorsports and the new 963s. But the six car has dropped away as well from the lead lap, now four laps down. When you compare it to race leading Scott Dixon in the 0-1 for Cadillac Racing, one of three brand-new Cadillac V LMDHs debuting this weekend. Two from that team, one from Wheel and Engineering Racing, and the 31 was definitely in the hunt as well overnight for a significant chunk of Bruce and my four-hour stint. Um, but uh, it was towards the end of that that the 31 hit difficulties and needed a gearbox change or certainly a significant uh, look at the drivetrain with about a half an hour stop, which has put it now 17 laps back. That car's being driven by Alexander Sims, currently seventh overall. So the top six are separated by six laps which is easy to remember we have at least two cars on the lead lap though we're waiting for El Bamba to come through He's 74 seconds behind so yeah he'll be a lead lapper as well and then the first of the cars off the lead lap Ricky Taylor's number 10 Acura from Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport 
That is the car that's creeping up the order bit by bit, little by little, or maybe it's not creeping up as much as other cars are hitting problems and uh, falling down the order in the top GTP class, but uh, good to see that the uh, Aston Martin that had problems is uh, back going. Is it running fully well? It does appear to be. That's the one in GTD, which is the heart of racing, uh, car driven by Marcus Sorensen earlier, but uh, it's fallen down a little bit after that problem, but... Uh, Still Marco Sorensen, second in class. There we are. The class still being led. GTD, not GTD Pro, bear in mind. GTD. Daniel Morad leads that in the number 57 Mercedes. But uh, yes, Marco Sorensen, the 27 Aston Martin, lapping faster than Daniel Morad, but he's lost about getting on towards 40 seconds. And remember, it was going even better for the Heart of Racing team when they had both their GTD Pro and GT Daytona cars nose to tail for a while, mm. heading both of their classes. But then the issue struck for the Pro car with... Now, was that suspension that gave way? Left or, rear or, suspension. Yeah. Uh, Alex Riberas, uh, we saw him then having to sort of go off the circuit, to take the little cut through just inside turn three and then negotiate his way back onto the circuit, a slow, slow in-lap, and that uh, drops it way down the order. And uh, 23 is, uh, you have to keep scrolling down to 42nd position. David Pittard back at the wheel of that now. And, uh, but he's uh, got, to, got to gain an awful lot to move any, even into the top 40 at the moment. And Ian James explaining in great detail to Shea Adam about the fact that they'd never come close to a, a problem like that in all the testing that they've run. Ian, actually part of the 27 crew, but uh, it's his team, essentially. Uh, he's uh, a key part of Heart of Racing team and wanted both cars to be right up there, ideally winning their respective classes. Well, it ain't going to happen with a 23 car now, but the 27, uh, despite that stopped moment for Marco Sorensen, which cost him three positions, two positions, and probably about 45 seconds or so, maybe slightly longer. Uh, it's got going again, and Sorensen is the man to be able to just push that out of his mind and focus entirely on the rest of the stint, of which he's got over half of it still to go. He's 13 laps in, is Sorensen, and that'll be a 32-lap stint, I would think. Another quick update from Nick Damon in the pits. Yeah, the 52, the uh, PR1 Matheson, the wins car, um, that has come in for a standard stop. It's obviously running much more stops because it's a P2 car. Paul Luchatan's got out. Not quite sure who's got in, but you'll find out in a second. This car, of course, is going great guns, leading um, up until almost the time when I, I left the pits last time. But then it had a long, long stop for an identified problem actually in the cockpit. And, of course, it's now trying to make up that time. But still, you know, only a yellow flag away from uh, being right in there. Right, Nick, talking of problems that need checking, here's your next task if you care to undertake it. Marco Wittmann, the number 24 BMW, the one running in sixth place overall, now six laps down, had a long time in the pits on its last visit. If you could possibly find out why that was, that would be really, really good indeed. A few people on the, in the Twitter sphere just feel they need to know, and quite rightly so. Yeah, it's about 12 laps into its latest stint, having pitted 20 minutes ago or so, but it's obviously a, a, an extended stop for Wittmann. Best of the BMWs, with the other one still just about hanging on, with uh, now van der Linde at the wheel of the 25 BMW. Uh, 25 and 24 are the typical numbers you get with BMWs, regardless of which class they've run in through the years. So Sheldon van der Linde sharing with Conor Felipe. He's just switched out, actually. So South African taking over from American. Colton Hurt is already also in that car, along with Nick Yellily, who was driving it when it first had that problem in the opening hours and stopped in a peculiar position wedged between those two concrete walls. Not having made contact with them, it was neat parking for Yellily, actually. Prevented a caution as well. Uh, but none of the team members could touch it because it was still charged with hybrid-related electricity. I've got a question for you, Johnny. You're driving a prototype, racing Cadillac Racing. You've got six GT D-class cars running ahead of you through the International Horseshoe. What do you do? Your name is Earl Bamba. You overtake them all around the outside. He hung it Naturally. out the whole way through and uh, very, very clean. And luckily, I think they all spotted him, just moved over, but they were nose to tail, and yet still... He went to the outside. We know when you're on the outside, when the track folds around to the right, you may not have any track on which to be turning into, but Sir Earl Bamber managed to get through. He is third overall. He's lapping very impressive P2 
pace, tried to catch Colin Brown, but I think last time I checked, he was about 30 seconds in arrears. Yes, Colin was about 40 seconds down on the race leading Scott Dixon in the 01 Cadillac. He's now 42 seconds down. But Earl Bamber's trying to claw back every single tenth of a second. That's all he can do. And uh, we've looked at Earl's career, meteoric career from his starting single-seaters into sports cars, found his metier, won Le Mans, etc., etc. And he's uh, putting on a masterclass out there. But there is that risk. Of course, we saw uh, the number six Porsche, Nick Tandy at the wheel, going through the kink halfway between one end of the horseshoe and the other and found himself just clonking the kerb on the left-hand side of the circuit, car being spat onto the grass and the delays to have uh, a new... New rear bodywork and a new nose put on. That is why that car isn't on the lead lap or even one lap down. It's five laps down. What do we reckon? We reckon it lost three and a bit laps. It was about a five-minute delay, wasn't it, when yes. uh, the number six entry from Porsche Penske Motorsports came in. Cool, calm, collected, back out on the track. But small things. Therefore, you know, you, when you appreciate the risk being taken by drivers like Earl Bamber going around the outside, there is an element of heart in the mouth for them when they do it. Uh, right, 34 seconds down on Colin Brown. So... Uh, Catching him a little bit, but the last lap wasn't a good one. Well, as we saw, he had traffic. At IMSA Radio on the Twitter sphere, and remember that this is the first of so many rounds of the world of the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship this year, and each and every one of them will be live flag to flag on RS2 in the USA. And if you're outside of America, uninterrupted in vision coverage of the full year via the world feed. And the imsaradio.com website. Go to that, click on the live video tab in the top left corner, and you can actually treat yourself to sound and vision perfectly synced for the remainder of this race and for round two and beyond. Sebring is the next one in a couple of months' time. That's the middle of March. Here at the track, 107.9 FM and on Sirius XM 207. With Nick Damon now watching the leader pitting. Yeah, Scott Dixon brings the car in. He's getting uh, right side tyres only. Uh, he's, he's not getting a driver change, which I'm slightly surprised about, But he's because uh, they had another driver suited and booted, but they've always decided it's fine to keep him in for another stint. Just the two tyres for Scott. That's, of course, the outside tyres for the oval parts of the circuit. It's like a lot of stress. A lot of time being spent cleaning the windscreen. It's like um, this, the, the guy who's cleaning the windscreen is going to want 20p from him at the end of this. He's doing a really good effort on it. Um, but of course, they are stuck there for the amount of time it takes to put both real fuel and virtual fuel in this car. So whilst the uh, fuel filler is connected, he's not always pumping fuel. Very gentle take up there. Man looking after his gearbox, and away he goes with two new tyres. So how's that going to affect how fast he can go on the outlap? Well, yeah, halfway house, isn't it? You've got two up to temperature and two stone cold, having not been in tyre warmers. An LMP2 car release right in front of the leader as well. That was nip and tuck for the crowd strike racing car run by uh, APR. And, in fact, the 0-1 of Dixon looking for a way almost up the inside before they got to the single-file se segment of the pit out road. The number two displayed on the Lumirank number the side of, although on the flank of Scott Dixon's Cadillac. Now, that's because Colin, Colin Brown has retaken the race lead. And as both the LMP2 and the uh, GTP get back up to something resembling full race pace, although it looked like the LMP2 had got four brand new and therefore stone-cold Michelin tyres as well. So it was struggling to turn through the first horseshoe at the international end of the infield. And the Pink and white Acura from Michael Shack Racing with Kerb Agajanian is back to the race lead, Bruce. This was the car at the halfway stint in this race where the night crew came on, filled, but not yet filled quite enough, with uh, sacred coffee. It was all about the 60. It had the pace. It was bobbing into the lead and out of the lead. But it had the pace, had the fuel efficiency. Now, Scott Dixon staying on for another stint. Let's see what he can do. But what's happened in that time? Cadillac Racing has found its feet, found its form, and they're first and third, and they're lapping very impressively. And after these pit stops, the gap's going to be presumably back to pretty much where it was, uh, which was just over 30, 33 seconds last time I checked, between the 0-1 uh, Cadillac and, uh, of course, the number 60, Myershank Acura. Now, also, just looking back to the P2 car that was squirming around coming out of the pits, that was a CrowdStrike racing car being driven very, very hard indeed. Ben Hanley was on board uh, coming out, but he got the fresh tyres. He's out on the 0-2 Cadillac. It's in your world, Nick, in the pits. 
It is, and it's a full change this time. Earl Bamber has had enough of going round the outside of all those slow, horrible GTD cars. That's it, and he hands his car over to Alex Lynn, hops in. Both these um, quite long-legged blokes, but they manage to hop down into the uh, seat very quickly. Again, right side tyres only, even, with, even though we've got a driver change, but it's also getting a top-up of, uh, of water. And they continue the effects of putting the driver in comfort. Everything's done up, and of course the last thing to go out again is this fuel pump, which is not pumping fuel most of the time, I can't stress that enough. It's now pumping imaginary electricity. And if you try doing that, as the 21 uh, Ferrari GT goes behind the wall, here comes the wheel and energy car. Oh, it's going to be a very close to getting a problem for camera and assistance being run over there. Luckily, uh, Alexander Sims not going full uh, chat into the pit box. I suppose that previous problem they had there are many laps down, so there's no need to run anyone over at this point in the event. Sims gets out. In gets Pipo Durrani from the wheel and car, and they are taking four tyres. They're just uh, they're showing off a bit. They're gonna, they, they can afford an entire set of tyres, but of course this car uh, was uh, held back by a problem overnight. But now, like a lot of these, these uh, new hybrid cars, running fine once they've fixed it. Yeah, gearbox related. I think a brand new gearbox needed in this car. It uh, completely stopped out on track on the segment of the circuit around uh, Speedway turns three and four, so fairly close to home. But had to do the final sector pretty much at a much reduced speed down on the apron and eventually got back to uh, the sanctuary of, well, the garages actually because it turned left immediately went behind the wall and that was the last we saw of it for about half an hour. So it has put the 31 car significantly further back, but not a nice scene for Alexander Sims to be arriving into his box with a cameraman and camera there. Thankfully, we think all was well after avoiding, avoiding action. And Alex Lynn stayed at the wheel, as Nick mentioned, rejoining in third position. It's not a bad shout, that, actually, for outside tyres. Yes, it takes a bit of time for them to get up to temperature, so you can't push like crazy, but at least you do have some grip on the infield because the outside tyres for the banked section are the inside tyres for the two horseshoes. So you are going to have plenty of grip and drive coming out of the international and western horseshoes, Bruce. Yeah, and I... I I've said it before, if you've got good exit speed as you go up onto the banking, then that really, hey presto, is what you need. And that's where the bulk of the overtaking within class has happened. Of course, if you're in a prototype, a GTP, a P2, a P3, you can pass the GTDs on the straights. However, around the going onto the bank, if you get a good run in multiple class. Now, two Porsches uh, from Porsche Penske Motorsport. The number six has had minor problems. The number seven has had major problems. It's down in 17th place. And Nick, what are you seeing for the seven? It's rejoined. The number seven, of course, has already had its energy store or MGU, whatever they want to call it, HK, whatever it may be. Uh, that was replaced a long time ago. Lost to about 17 laps. They've now had this some form of cooling problem. Um, I've, been, I've been informed it's a hybrid bundle is the correct uh, term. I quite like that. Would you like a hybrid bundle? OK, I'll take one of those, sir. Uh, you know, and you get free sky with it as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so basically that's the, the second problem. But I, I like this problem. I really like this second problem because it's a traditional problem. It's a water leak. Excellent. We know where we are with a water leak and how to fix it potentially as well, although I wouldn't have a clue with these brand-new cars. And I'm sure there's a bit of head-scratching when cars arrive uh, and teams are still trying to work their way around them, particularly when you've got hot components surrounding the various innards that you're looking to access and at speed. Now, a cracking couple of stints by Earl Bamber. Uh, Nick detailed that he got out of the car and he's gone straight to him for an interview. Um, Earl, let's pace this race a lot more frenetic than you expected, because we expected a reliability run. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an impressive green flag race, to be honest, from all, all competitors of 61 cars. I think a lot of people thought there was going to be a lot more yellow, and it hasn't turned out that way. So uh, it's definitely a great test for these GDP cars. First time out, not a lot of yellow, and uh, got to run flat out the whole way. Our uh, Cadillac's running great at the moment. Uh, P3 is just swapping backwards and forwards between what people are doing on tyres and stuff like that. So uh, five hours to go. It's gone quick. But now the real race starts. You're having to be very, very aggressive with those GTDs. Is there, is there areas of the track where you just can't get stuck behind them because you lose too much time? Yeah, I mean, it's just the typical people trying to race prototypes every, every day. Um, normal cars. But um, 
No, they're in their own race. It's, it's just bad when you get a pack of them. Um, you know, when they're all having their own fight, it's quite difficult because they take up nearly the whole track width. But, um, you know, the straight line speed with what we've got helps us a lot. But if you get them in the chicane or where they're having a battle, you, you do lose a lot. But it ebbs and flows. You know, some laps you get a great run, other laps you don't, and, and so do your competitors. So for you in the Cadillac 02, would you like a couple more uh, yellows before the end of the race or do you want it run green to the end? Um, I mean, it'd uh, be nice to get uh, a yellow, pack the top three cars up and uh, go over a proper race for four hours. Race up, thank you, Will. Earl Bamba with Nick. Uh, we, in the meantime, well, I was staying tuned to the Kiwi, don't get me wrong, but also trying to work out whether a record distance might still be within grasp. Remember, 833 was the 2020 distance. That's the most we've done uh, at any point in the history of the 61 years of the Rolex 24. And by the end of this clock hour... Was I just told that we need to be at something like six, five, nine laps? Yeah, so by nine o'clock this morning, race hour. Okay, by the end of this race hour, so in seven more minutes, we need to be at six, five, nine. Well, that, that ain't going to happen. Uh, so, yes, it's uh, somewhat out of our grasp, which, to be honest, was my projection anyway, because we, we're doing about five... 20, uh, sorry, um, half of 5.20. We were doing about 260, 270 laps per eight hours. So if you then times that by three, you can't get to 800 laps. So I think that would be a stretch, let alone 8.33. We'll get, I think, 7.70, 7.80, maybe 7.90. But I think 800 is the absolute tops. So the record should stand for yet another year. Um, nevertheless... I still think this is an impressive lap distance uh, that we are shooting for with the brand new cars, considering uh, many people up and down pit road thought that, that they'd all be conking out after about a couple of hours and would spend a goodly portion of the race either behind the wall or on pit road being seen too. There's been a, a fair bit of uh, reliability issue, don't get me wrong, but, um, I mean, generally speaking, if you've been driving a Cadillac from Cadillac Racing, you're fine. And the Michael Shank Racing 60 car has had its issues. I mean, it's done way more pit stops than the two cars it's battling with. 31 now for Colin Brown's number 60 car for the Mike Shank crew. So Blomqvist, Brown, Castroneves and Pagino, they've been in and out of the pits way more than I think anybody else in the GTP class. But it seems to have paid dividends because they've got this lead of, um, well, through the next split, I'll tell you exactly what it is, but it's about 30 seconds or so, with still three cars on the lead lap, just about, waiting for the final few splits. It might Are we down to just two cars now on the lead lap? It's difficult to read because there's a split between the pit stop cycles and a big one uh, between Colin Brown, who's due for a stop within the next lap, and Scott Dixon and Alex Lynn, who are just at the start of their stints. No, exactly so. Bef before they started running through right gap between first and second, between Colin Brown in the number 60, Maya Shank, uh, Acura, and uh, Scott Dixon, the 01 Cadillac, is 52 and two-thirds seconds. And uh, for Alex Lynn in the 02, that's the black Cadillac with the blue nose and uh, streaks up its side. That's just off the lead lap. But you're quite right, the seesaw effect of who's made their pit stop when. But uh, Colin Brown, the race leader in the number 60 Acura, will be the next one in quite deep into the stint now. Uh, so should be in relatively soon. As, and that will put to the 0-2 back onto the lead lap. Yes, there we go. Relatively soon. Brackets now. Peeling off and into pit uh, row to Nick Damon. Yep, it is a... Full service, uh, Simon Pagano getting in and uh, Colin Brown getting out. Uh, uh, this one's not, they're not skimping, they're giving the whole four tyres and the fuel. So this car, which is sharing the lead with the 0-1, uh, is getting a complete service. And there's no real advantage or disadvantage. You know, the amount of time it takes to connect the fuel and the virtual fuel, you can do anything you like to the car, really, with this uh, uh, parallel uh, pit strategy course you're allowed to do here. Of course, it's in, you have to be in series in uh, Le Mans and in WEC, but 
Um, they are not putting tyres on because of the tyre allocations mainly, and they're not changing drivers because the driver they have in there is fast enough. But there is no time loss if you do change drivers, and no time loss if you change tyres either. But that car has done what it needs to do, it's everything, and is trundling down the pit lane to pit out as I speak. So it'll come out with 304 minutes to go, I reckon. Five times 60 is 300, plus the four. And what I need to do now is 304 divided by about 52, because 52 minutes is roughly the stint time. So you're looking at five and a bit stints, but I, for me, the Acura is not going to fit perfectly between now and the end of the race. So are the Cadillacs actually in a better position here if we stay green? And that's a massive if, don't get me wrong, um, considering the number of cautions we've had to this point. But yes, at certain points in the hour, the Acura is ahead of the two Cadillac Racing V LMDHs. But I just, rem I just wonder... 0-1 and 0-2, they're outnumbering that Acura, and I think they're leading at a better point in the hour than the Japanese machine. But that's extrapolating stints through a green flag period for five hours, so it's a massive ask even at this stage. I was going to say the clever ones count backwards from the end. The other thing to remember, of course, is that the last stop for the Acura, because it can run deeper into its stop will be shorter and there's the option of fuel saving as well of course to try and get a little bit further through so nearly six stints bit of yellow here and there should get them some of the way but you can't necessarily bank on it and you know, this far out don't get me wrong they're not going to be back timing anything at this stage it's all about plodding their way through and hoping that things stay green here and there but I do think you know, it becomes a numbers game from a, from Cadillac's perspective, and they'll be very grateful so far to have two cars in the mix versus Acura's one. Yeah, looking looking very strong for them, but yes, it's a question of counting back from the end of the race. We've got uh, five hours and two minutes remaining, and just noticed as the sun came up over the circuit, he's out there enjoying it. Not much sun; it's just daylight here. David Pittard, happy birthday! Thirty-first birthday, ten years ago, it was his first season of racing in little old Ginettas back in, back in the UK and he's really come on great guns so happy birthday to David unfortunately the number 23 Aston Martin is not where they'd have wanted they had the problem for Alex Ribas. remember him off on the inside of the circuit left rear suspension seemed to be uh, the problem for them and therefore they're down all the way in 42nd position but they've had the glory of uh, being right up there at the front of GTD but unfortunately for them they were having a, an incident a, a breakage that uh, Ian James of Heart of Racing team has never seen before of all the places the big one at hmm. the Daytona 24 but press on and happy birthday to David Pittard so he's aged a decade in a space of 24 hours I mean they always said that the Rolex 24 was a stressful affair and yeah happy birthday David that's not clearly the first time that that's happened where a, a racing driver has had a birthday on one or other of the days generally not both down into the Le Mans chicane for the LMP2 race leader, Mancunian driver Ben Hanley, leading by 5.7 seconds over Josh Pearson. He now goes to the high side of one GT car at Speedway Turn 3. I got an update from Nick off there, there, but didn't because I was talking, I didn't really hear it. So you, uh, you go ahead. I'm sorry, I can't do two things at once. The Conoco and Ultracar having a, a non-standard pit stop, but uh, it's quite a long way away from me because I was walking up to go look at some of the other things I don't see quite a lot of the time in between the GTP pit stops. Then, of course, there was a GTP pit stop, and it was say it was another 10 Conoco and Ultracar. They have taken off the rear deck, put some fluids in. Now, we did see the rear deck coming off the Meyer Shank, the sister car, the 60 car as well, so whether they're just checking for this... Uh, mystery uh, gearbox uh, potential seal issue who knows but it was a slightly longer stop for this car that's obviously lost a couple of laps from the lead and the 21 Ferrari which went behind the uh, the wall about ooh, about 20 minutes ago has now come back out into the pits again so that car's been kind of oscillating I think uh, quite regularly behind the wall in front of the wall that's of course the air course machine um, and that's quiet again so uh, please continue not listening to me 19 hours done on RS2 IMSA Radio. That means five to go in the 61st edition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Flag-to-flag -flag coverage here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. It's time for a VP Racing Fuels in-race update. 
and Scott Dixon as the BMW number 24 comes down to pit road again. Marco Wittmann not in the leading mixture, but uh, I'll tell you who is. Scott Dixon in the 0-1 Cadillac Racing V LMDH leads by 41 seconds over Simon Pagino's Acura ARX 06, the 60 car. And in third position is the sister Cadillac Racing V. Uh, that's the 0-2 of Alex Lynn. Ricky Taylor returning to the racetrack after the stop for the Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti Autosport Acura. That car's fourth. Dane Cameron's fifth in the Porsche Penske Motorsport 963, car six. And Marco Wittmann just pitting, as mentioned, from sixth position in the best of the two BMW M Hybrid V8s, car 24. In LMP2, Ben Hanley's leading by just under six seconds in the 04 Orica. Uh, 04 is the CrowdStrike racing by APR car. Josh Pearson is in second position in the 35. Glorious sound in the background is the 01 Cadillac, by the way. So 35 TDS racing entry in LMP2. Third position, Mathieu Vaxivier for AF Corsa, that's 88. And the PR1 Matheson Motorsport, Nico Lapierre-driven, 52, is fourth. LMP3, now, the two leaders that have been hammer and tongs all race, it seems, are now split by the recovering Porsche Penske Motorsport 963, number seven, sitting between Seagal and Merrill. So that's uh, Sean Creech Motorsport ahead of AWA, but with a car sitting between them, and there are a couple of laps, maybe a lap and a bit, between 33 and 17. Third in LMP3 is the Performance Tech Motorsports car, number 38. In GT Daytona Pro, Jordan Taylor leading that for Corvette Racing, car number three, ahead of Daniel Juncadea's WeatherTech Racing Mercedes 79. Third in class is Ben Barnacoats, Fassa Sullivan, Lexus, and fourth, Andrea Caldarelli in the Iron Lynx 63. And in GT Daytona, Marco Sorensen for Heart of Racing Team, Aston Martin number 27. It stopped out on track, remember, for about 50 seconds, got going again, and amazingly still leads the class for the Dane. He is ahead of Philip Ellis's Windward Racing Mercedes number 57, Spencer Pompelli's Magnus Racing 44 car, and the 93 is the Racers, uh, Racers Edge Motorsport with WTR car, 93 running in fourth position for that uh, uh, the Acura sitting behind Spencer Pompelli's Aston Martin Vantage GT3. So that just about wraps things up for another update. Your hourly update brought to you by VP Racing Fuels, the official coolant of IMSA. Stay frosty.